Hey, everyone, and welcome into the BT Powerhouse podcast. It is Monday night, November 7th, uh, election night eve. So we're in a exciting slash terrifying fearful time uh, <laughs> for America. Um, but luckily, there will be no politics on this podcast. Um, at least I hope not. Um, today we will be, well, I should say, uh, I'm Thomas Bendit, host, as always, of the BT Powerhouse podcast, but today we'll be jumping into the Indiana Hoosiers, the defending Big Ten champs. Um, and to help us break it down, we have Alex from 247 Sports. Alex, how's it going? Not too bad, man. I, uh, I definitely, I echo your sentiments there of, uh, I'm excited to, to have this election process over and it comes at a good time because as soon as it's over, we get college basketball started. So it's, uh, it's going to be a good week. Yeah, yeah, out with the bad and with the good, uh, <laughs> yeah. or at least uh, some of us, some of us think. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we we have an exciting topic though um, today. Obviously, you know, I mentioned the defending Big Ten champion. Um, you know, you only get to to do that once here um, for the season preview series. Um, Indiana coming off a successful yet kind of mixed season. Um, hoping to build off that. Uh, what, what's kind of the general feelings um, around Bloomington right now regarding the program, regarding Tom Crean, and kind of where things are heading? Yeah, it's uh, like you said, it was kind of a weird year last year where they just started off so unbelievably bad and then turned it around in a hurry. Uh, and so really all of the – most of those concerns about Tom Crean um, and, you know, his whole status and everything like that, I think people have turned – in a good way uh, with with Preen, and I think a lot of people like him a lot more now than they did a year ago, but there's still a lot of uncertainty around this team just because of how much they lost. I mean, Yogi Ferrell is the main, you know, departure this offseason, but Troy Williams also leaves for the NBA. Uh, you also lose Max, Max Bielfeld and Nick Seisloff, who both were really important members of this team, both who really shot the ball well, um, so you lose a lot of kind of your threat from the perimeter if you're Indiana. Um, but James Blackman is back and fully healthy, and he's obviously going to be shouldering a lot more of the scoring load this season. O.G. Ananobi and Thomas Bryant are bona fide, you know, NBA, you know, future NBA players, and, um, and both of them are looking to take a lot more responsibility on the court this season. But it's an interesting kind of mix there, and, and there isn't really – a set starting five uh, yet. Uh, Tom Crean just now, you know, like 45 minutes ago on his radio show was saying that Indiana is probably going to kind of experiment with a lot of different starting lineups throughout the non-conference just because, you know, there isn't exactly uh, a guy to fill in for Yogi Ferrell. I mean, Josh Newkirk is a transfer from Pitt who had to sit out last year due to transfer rules. He seems to be the guy. I mean, he's, uh, he played really well in the exhibition games just kind of distributing the ball. I think he had 11 assists and just one turnover. Um, so he's kind of the guy to watch in the backcourt there. Uh, but Robert Johnson's there as well. He's been the backup point guard for the last two years. Um, and kind of has filled in for, for Yogi Ferrell while he goes to the bench. But um, that's kind of – there's a lot of uncertainty there, but, but I think there's a lot of excitement around a lot of these pieces, you know, with, with Blackman, Bryant, Ananobi, uh, even Juwan Morgan. Um, there's a lot of excitement around the potential of a lot of these guys, and it's just a matter of 
getting all those pieces to fit. So it could be another year. You know, Tom Green has said it a lot this offseason where people might have to be a little bit patient with this Indiana team as it kind of figures itself out and figures out, you know, what everyone's role is going into the year. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, kind of a mix between proven guys and unproven guys. Um, always makes for an interesting season, um, and, and certainly that's how it looks like it's setting up for Indiana. Um, but I, I always like to start these podcasts with kind of a look back at last year. We've talked about it a little. Um, you know, I, I'm working on my Indiana season preview uh, actually tonight, and one of the things I, I've kind of said in it is, you know, rating success at the college level is kind of a difficult thing because, you know, in pro sports, it's you win the championship or you don't. I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, everybody has one goal, but in college sports, it, it's kind of different, and especially college basketball where, you know, a team can theoretically bring home, what, like four or five trophies and not win the national title. Um <laughs> So it, it, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, Indiana, you know, they do win the Big Ten regular season title, um, but they get knocked out in their first game in Indy uh, against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. Um, they kind of regroup, make the Sweet 16, but get knocked out by UNC. Um, did you did you view last year as a, as a success for Indiana, or is it something um, where it was all right but really didn't um, achieve what, what the program's looking for? I think it was uh... – it was basically what I expected from Indiana. I mean, going into the year, I think they were ranked 15th of the AP poll last year. And so I expected a, a Sweet 16 team and kind of a fringe, possibly Elite 8 team, or if they got hot, maybe a Final Four team. But, I mean, I kind of viewed last year's team, because there were a lot of, you know, they were relying on a freshman center in Thomas Bryant. And, um, and just there was still a lot of, you know, Troy Williams, you never knew which – Troy Williams they were going to get on any given night. So it was kind of a team that was prone to inconsistency and, and mistakes from time to time. So I think I kind of expected a, a Sweet 16 team uh, with possibly a, a little bit higher ceiling than that. I think people will look back on last year as a success because of how bad it was at the beginning, because of how poorly Indiana played when they went to Maui and, and lost to Wake Forest and UNLV and then got – just run off the court at Cameron Indoor against Duke um, and then turned it around, you know, kind of on a dime and won the Big Ten. Um, so I think a lot of people, and, and it also helps, you know, when you're in Indiana and you beat Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. I think a lot of people have really, really fond, a lot of Indiana fans have really fond memories of last season just because things seemed so dire for a while. And then all of a sudden there's just kind of this, this moment of realization and then they turned it around on a dime. So I think um, I would view it as, as just kind of what I expected out of that team. But a lot of people around here thought that that was, that last year was definitely a success. And, you know, you, you have um, Tom Crean winning Big Ten Coach of the Year. You have the Big Ten Championship. And um, I think a lot of people here have kind of uh, begrudgingly come to accept that, you know, you mentioned the, the first round or the, you know, only lasting one game in the Big Ten Tournament. A lot of people have kind of accepted that Indiana is just not a team that really gets up to the Big Ten tournament for whatever reason. Um, so I think a lot of people view it as a success. I would say that it's kind of, you know, what I expected more or less from the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely fair. Um, <laughs> it's 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 just it's always interesting to get the expectations 
and kind of how the fan base views a given season just because uh, it differs, you know, so massively uh, from team to team. Um, but, you know, we jumped into last year, so let, let's kind of move towards this year. Um, you, you mentioned some of the guys departing. Indiana lost a, a ton off its roster <laughs> from last year, um, mm-hmm. particularly, you know, Yogi Farrell, Troy Williams, too, um, guys who I at least got some serious NBA attention this summer, um, or at least, you know, at the pro level generally, um, and, and Troy Williams obviously departing early. Uh, how how big are these off-season losses for Indiana, and um, who who's going to be the most difficult to replace for the, for the Hoosiers? Yeah, I think, you know, Tom Green's talked about it quite a bit, but even not even from necessarily a statistical standpoint or anything like that, but just the the figure that Yogi Ferrell has been for this program for the last four years, and even before that. I mean, they were, as soon as this coaching staff arrived at IU, they basically they started recruiting Yogi Ferrell uh, out of Park Tudor in Indianapolis. And uh, he was, you know, one of the bigger commitments that they got, you know, especially in-state along with, with Cody Zeller. And, uh, you know, in terms of importance uh, in their commitments, they committed different years, obviously. But um, I think – just losing Farrell is just a it's it's such a a blow to them on and off the court just because you know when things were were not good last year in times of adversity or whatever um he was kind of the guy who, who rallied the, the team together you know as, as you want your point guard to do obviously um so I think losing him in terms of a almost a non-basketball sense is probably the hardest to replace and, and Tom Green has talked a lot especially these past couple of weeks about wanting more uh, of guys talking on the court and guys being vocal and everything like that. And, and he's been really um, not necessarily critical, but he, he certainly wants more out of his junior guard, you know, being Josh Newkirk, James Blackman, and Robert Johnson, where they're old enough where, you know, they should be, they should have a grasp on the system and everything like that. And they'll be, the ball's going to be in their hands a lot this year. So uh, those three guys kind of are tasked with, being those next vocal leaders and everything for this program. Um, Troy Williams also, you know, um, for all of his ups and downs on the court, uh, apparently was also uh, a very reliable practice player and, and a leader in his own right. And Tom Crean has really talked talked well of, of both Farrell and, and Williams uh, this offseason. So uh, both of those guys are going to be tough to replace, uh, you know, from a basketball sense, from a non-basketball sense. Um, and I think it's really going to fall on those those three juniors and, and Thomas Bryant to an extent as well, just because um, of his importance to the team and just because of how boisterous he is on the court. He is one of the louder guys, more vocal guys. So um, I think those four players, uh, you know, Newkirk, Blackman, Johnson, and Bryant, are going to be the people that Green looks to, uh, at least on the court, because Colin Hartman, who's the lone senior on this team, uh, is out for, you know, and undetermined amount of time with a knee injury. So um, in terms of on-the-court guys, those are going to be the guys that they're definitely looking for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely makes sense. I, I, I think Farrell's going to be a, a really difficult player to replace, obviously, and, and not just from a statistical aspect, but also, you know, just from a leadership aspect. You know, he uh, in a lot of ways he, he embodied that Indiana program over the last four years, so it's going to be a uh, big, some big shoes to replace. Um, for the for the Hoosiers coming into the season, but 
you know, of course, college basketball, um, you know, players leave, but new players come in. Um, Indiana adding a, a pretty talented group here, both in terms of recruiting and transfers. Um, not necessarily any, you know, elite five-star guys this year, um, but certainly some guys who can make an impact this year and beyond. Um, what, what do you make of Indiana's new additions this year, and who are the, the key guys you're watching? Yeah, I mean, it's um, Josh Newkirk kind of counts as a new addition because he hasn't played with IU, but he was obviously here last season. Um, but in terms of the freshman, the true freshman, um, Devontae Green, who's the younger brother of Danny Green, um, he has really been impressive so far. And, it's you know, you, you take all these exhibition stats and, and scrimmage stats with a grain of salt, but um, he has just not backed down at all on either end of the court. He, he came here, you know, just in talking with his coach and talking with him, uh, it seemed like defense was the main aspect of his game. And, and just, he just has never really backed down from a challenge on that end of the court. And it was, it was interesting to see in IU's uh, first open scrimmage um, right off the bat, as soon as Green got into the game, I think he was guarding James Blackman um, and was just smothering him and, and just was pestering him. And, um, you know, he, he got a foul call on him a couple of times, but he, that attitude, I think, is something that's really important for uh, an Indiana team that really struggled defensively for the first half of last season and really started to to make it part of its identity later in the season. So I think Green's going to see the court a little bit. Uh, Durant Davis, who's who's a power forward out of Colorado, uh, who actually set the, the Colorado high school record for blocked shots, he is kind of coming along slowly. I mean, he, he got to campus actually the day before classes started, so because uh, he was finishing up some academic requirements and things like that back home. But he's, um, you know, according to our rankings, our 24-7 sports rankings, he was the highest-rated player in this class. Um, and he's coming along, you know, maybe a little bit slowly and, and getting into shape and, and getting up to speed with the offense. But um, the Tom Cream was talking tonight on his radio show about the jump that Davis made from the first exhibition game to the second one. Um, and it was just kind of a massive jump just in terms of, keeping up with the speed of the game. I mean, he, the other night, and again, you know, it's, it's against a D2 team, but um, he had three steals. He um, had a couple of nice, you know, kind of, there's one where he got a steal and went coast to coast on a, on a dunk and just really looked fluid in the game. So I think if, you know, or not if, but when Thomas Bryant needs a little bit of a break and when, you know, OJ Nobi isn't able to kind of match up against another team's five-man, I think you're going to see Deron Davis out there a little bit more. Um, and, it, it, you know, you're not going to see it, I don't think, early just because he's coming along a little bit slowly. But I think come Big Ten season, he, he's going to be a guy kind of like Jawan Morgan was last year where um, he comes on the court and maybe doesn't, you know, really fill a stat sheet or, you know, score a lot or anything like that. But he's going to give you strong defense for eight or ten minutes a game. Uh, and then the last guy who's, Still a little bit of a mystery is junior college transfer Freddie McSwain, who, um, you know, he also got here late in the summer because he was finishing up academic requirements and things like that. Um, and he also had a minor knee operation when he got here as well. But um, he's still on, kind of on a minute limit. But even in eight minutes of, of play the other night in their exhibition, he grabbed eight rebounds and um, is already one of the more athletic guys on this team. So there's a lot of potential you know like you said there's a lot of skill in this group um, but maybe not the the kind of guys who are going to make 
an instant impact and who, you know, who are going to immediately be some of your leaders on the court. So um, it's, it's an interesting class, and it's one that's kind of going to have to grow and develop as the season goes along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I I think this is a, a really nice depth class, and I think a lot of these these faces are gonna make their impacts um, somewhere down the line, but probably not as much this year, and uh, certainly for some of the the freshmen coming in. But you know, still a talented group, still one of the better groups in the Big Ten. So a lot to look forward to still for Hoosier fans there. Um, but you know, we've hit on kind of some of the roster movement here. Um, Let's dive into the the actual roster here. Um, let's start in the backcourt. Um, you know, obviously losing Farrell is a big deal. Um, who who do you see kind of playing out in the backcourt? Um, and who do you see um, as kind of the players to watch here? Yeah, um, Josh Newkirk is, is seems to be the guy who um, is going to be bringing the ball up the majority of the time. Um, much more of a facilitator than a than a shooter and scorer. I mean, he's not exactly the feral type where you're going to want him to take the last shot or anything like that. I uh, think that's probably going to be more uh, James Blackman in, in terms of backcourt players. Um, he did not have a great game the other night um, in Indiana's exhibition. He was 0 for 7 from 3, uh, which is really the worst I've ever seen him shoot, but he's he's proven himself as, as probably the team's best scorer uh, and certainly the most explosive scorer. Um, so I think those two are certainly guys to watch. And then Rob Johnson has always been a little bit under the radar just because he came in with, with Blackman who, um, you know, immediately set the, the IU freshman record for three pointers made and, and kind of dominates the ball at times. Uh, but Johnson's a really good piece back there. He um, has always kind of set the, set the tone defensively for Indiana's backcourt. He's a pretty good on ball defender and, and is still a really good shooter and scorer as well. So, I mean, those three guys are certainly going to, see the majority of the time uh, in the backcourt, but, but a couple of those, those freshmen, you know, I mentioned Devontae Green and, and Curtis Jones as well, uh, out of a really good Huntington prep program, um, is both of them probably are going to see some uh, some decent minutes back there. But but I would say, you know, that, that trio of, of junior guards of Blackman, Newkirk, and Johnson are definitely the, the three to watch. And, um, and, and yeah, I, mean, I expect Blackman to, to lead the team in scoring, you know, assuming that you know, he stays healthy for the whole year. Um, so those are those are kind of the three uh, that I keep my eye on in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I, I think Blackman and Newkirk are going to be the big guys to watch. Um, certainly Blackman coming off the, the injury real season. But, um, you know, sky, sky's the limit for, for him. But uh, kind of we'll certainly have some issues on the defensive end, and, and we'll see how he progresses this year. But... Moving it, moving into the wing group, you know, an, another key departure, you know, from Troy Williams, but um, there certainly is some talent returning here. Uh, how do you see the wing group sorting out, and, and who are the guys you're watching? Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of all about OG and Anobi leading up to the season. Um, you know, it was kind of crazy how quickly Anobi went from, you know, a decent kind of compliment and a, and a defensive-minded guy. Um, and kind of a role player last season to this guy who has huge expectations around him. And, and, you know, people are ranking him high on NBA draft boards and things like that. I mean, people have really kind of gone nuts about, about OG Ananobi. And, and so far from what we've seen of him, I mean, it, it's all warranted. I mean, he's, um, he's looked 
so much better, uh, I guess so much more assertive with the ball this preseason uh, in, in the exhibitions and everything like that, where, you know, last year he didn't need to, to be a scorer, really. I mean, you know, that was what Farrell and Williams and even Bryant were doing. And Ananobi was just another kind of complimentary piece. And this year, they're going to ask so much more of him uh, from a ball handling standpoint, from a scoring standpoint, from everything like that. And he's been just super efficient uh, in these two exhibition games. He um, has been 16 for 20 from the floor, 41 combined points in the two games. Um, and, and he's hit a bunch of threes, too. I think he's something like 7 for 11 uh, from behind, behind the arc. So um, he is, is poised for – could be poised for a huge season. You know, you never want to read too much into exhibition stats or, or anything like that, but he is – he's definitely um, looking the part. And, and he can – he and Jawan Morgan, who's, who's another sophomore forward, um, both Missouri um, natives actually, uh, both of them have shown the ability to guard – you know, at least three or four positions. I mean, Ananobi was guarding everybody the other night from, you know, the other team's starting five-man to their starting point guard. So uh, both of those guys, and, and Morgan is kind of de- is the definition of positionless so far. I mean, he's he, uh, he actually started up, you know, Juan Morgan's a 6'8", you know, 230-pound forward, and he, he started the first exhibition game at point guard for IU. I mean, it's... You know, Indiana's kind of doing some crazy things with him. Um, so both those guys are just super versatile and on both ends of the on both ends of the court, and uh, it can make an impact really just about you know in every aspect of the game. I'm with you. the The rise of Anobi has been just insane. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. not, I, I think it's certainly deserved, but um, it, it definitely seemed like it was like one game he was like a backup, and then the next game he's up, you know going to be a lottery pick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was a quick rise. Um, but you know, obviously the, there's a lot of talent on the wing group. Um, there might be even more up front, though. Um, you know, we've talked about Brian a little bit, but uh, you know, a lot of talent returning in that front court. Uh, how do you th- see things shaking out there? Um, and who are the guys you're watching? Yeah, I mean, Brian is certainly the focus, um, you know, in a lot of ways. Uh, Tom Crean was asked tonight on his radio show, you know, who is the best rebounder that you've coached in Indiana? And he uh, he said, for now, it's Cody Zeller, but he ex- he expects Thomas Bryant to, to take that title. And, and um, Bryant actually was not super effective rebounding the ball last year. It took him most of the season to, to have a double-digit rebounding game. Um, so I think Indiana is going to be looking for a lot more out of him in that department. Um, but, you know, he, he led the conference in field goal percentage last year, and he really started playing pretty good defense down the stretch and, and showed a lot of composure, especially in Indiana's win over Kentucky in the uh, in the second round, uh, where he had some key free throws down the stretch. And, and he's just, you know, he, he's very uh, – he's jovial on the court. He's always smiling. He's always laughing. He's always kind of yelling – uh, you always know where where Thomas Bryant is, and, and they've really worked on kind of channeling that energy into, you know, building up his teammates and, and, and talking on defense and everything like that. Um, so a lot of the team's success is going to depend on Thomas Bryant, and uh, they're going to try and work through him as much as they can. They haven't really been able to um, really work the offense through him maybe as much as they wanted to uh, so far in these exhibitions and, and these 
scrimmages that we've seen. Um, but as soon as Indiana kind of figures out a way to to work the ball through him and through the paint, um, things are going to open up for him for the for the rest of the offense. Um, so he, he's obviously going to be important. Um, Joel Morgan, who I, you know, I talked about a minute ago, is is also capable of, of playing up there and guarding fives and, and guarding fours, um, kind of being a stretch guy there. Um, you know, a lot of his impact is felt defensively. Um, it's just kind of his mindset, everything like that. Um, Freddie McSwain, who's the, the junior college guy I mentioned earlier, um, still a little bit of an unknown, but certainly super crazy athletic. Um, and we'll see what he can do defensively and, and, you know, how much he can really be relied on offensively. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Thomas Bryant is, is the guy there in the front court. Uh, Colin Hartman, you know, who I mentioned earlier, uh, out with a with a knee injury, we have no idea what the injury is or how long he's going to be out. Indiana's been very, um, you know, close-lipped on that. Um, but you know, I, I expect him to to be back at some point this year, um, and he's going to slot right in because uh, he's the lone senior on this team. He's been around for a long time. He's he's played both the four and the five during his time at IU, and whenever he gets back, that's going to add another dimension to Indiana's front court because. Hartman is, is one of the better three-point shooters on this team. He actually um, participated in, in Indiana's three-point shooting competition in their you know, version of Midnight Madness, their injury area. Um, and it was just, he wasn't even jumping because of his knee injury, and he still was one of the top finishers in the three-point competition. So um, when he comes back, you know, if he does, um, that's going to add a whole new dimension to Indiana's um, front court rotation and, and what they can throw at that opposing defenses. Total, total agreement. Um, definitely. Uh, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of talent, I, I guess is my, my only point I, I would just throw out there, which uh, not very uh, insightful, but, but still um, a lot of talent. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Mo- moving on, you know, <laughs> uh, we, we hit kind of on the roster here. Um, just kind of to take a, a bigger, you know, hundred foot view here. Um, what what do you kind of project as a starting lineup here? At you know, starting from point guard to center, how do you see the starting lineup? And uh, I, I guess, what are some strengths and weaknesses do you, that you see in that lineup? Yeah, I think uh, the lineup that Indiana used the other night was uh, Newkirk running the point, and then Blackman and Johnson uh, as, as guards playing off the ball, and then. Uh, they had Ananobi and Thomas Bryant as their, their four and fives, respectively. Um, and I expect that to kind of be their go-to lineup, at least to start the season, um, just because, you know, Newkirk is kind of your, your prototypical distributor and point guard and everything like that. Um, and I think that's the, the lineup that gets the most talent on the court. And I think it's the lineup that, um, you know, despite Blackman's struggles in the past with, with defense, I think it's probably their best one of their better defensive lineups uh, with, with Ananobi and Bryant able to guard a few different guys and Johnson able to step out on guys on the perimeter. And, um, you know, in, in terms of, of weaknesses maybe in that lineup, I mean, um, Blackman has, has definitely been working on, on his defense. And uh, Tom Crean was really, really impressed the other night because, uh, like I said, Blackman had, a, had an awful shooting night. And in the past, Blackman's defensive effort kind of depends on his offensive results, if that makes sense, where, you know, if, if he's hitting shots on the offensive end, then, then he's kind of playing with a little bit more energy on the defensive end, but if he's missing shots, then he kind of, um, you know, it, 
especially as a freshman, um, you know, when he was missing shots, he maybe wasn't very engaged defensively. But the other night he was he was missing shots and was still going all out on defense. And, and there's still um, there's still a long way to go in that. But I think the main hurdle that that James Blackman has been facing on the defensive end is effort and kind of defensive focus and not taking possessions off and things like that. So um, I think he's he's growing in that sense. Um, but I think that would still be maybe the, you know, if there is a weakness in that starting lineup, and I think it's a pretty good starting lineup, I think that might be it. Um, when, if Colin Hartman comes back, I kind of expect um, him to, to certainly be in the starting lineup um, just because uh, of the leadership he brings and, and of kind of, you know, that dynamic that I was talking about of being able to stretch the floor with the three. Um, and so if he returns, I, I would expect maybe, Newkirk, Blackman, Ananobi, Hartman, and Bryant, uh, and then bring Rob Johnson as, as one of your first guys off the bench. I think that's kind of the lineup that Indiana ideally would have if everybody were healthy. Um, but you know, we'll see when Hartman gets healthy and how they kind of introduce him into the lineup. Uh, but those are, those are kind of the two starting lineups that, that I see Indiana using more often than not this season. Yeah, I, I think that's about the same I have. Um, they're a diverse team. You know, I, I think that's one of the things I've, I've always thought looking at this roster is, you know, they can put out different lineups to match up with who they're playing, um, slide a lot of guys to different spots, which is certainly a plus uh, in today's game and, and certainly a plus given the uh, diverse teams you're going to see in the in the Big Ten schedule. Um, but moving from that, um, you know, we, we've kind of jumped through the whole roster here. Um, so let, let's move into some of the fun stuff here. Uh, and, and let's start with the, the schedule. Um, Indiana, you know, a, as usual, has put together a, a pretty intriguing non-conference slate. You know, they get a epic showdown with Kansas uh, on this Friday uh, to open the season, which, you know, is a slightly big game. Uh, and then um, – you know, they have an ACC challenge game with North Carolina at home. They get uh, a matchup with Butler. Um, not The rest of the non-conference a little soft, but when you have uh, a game against Kansas and or games against Kansas and North Carolina, uh certainly speaks for, its, for itself. Uh, what do you make of the non-conference schedule? Um, do you like how top-heavy heavy it is? Um, and I guess any thoughts you, you have on the non-conference scheduling for the Hoosiers this year? Yeah, it's, it's really – that's kind of been the thing the past couple of years. You know, like you said, it's, it's really top-heavy. I mean, it's – you go from playing, you know, teams like Kansas or North Carolina or whatever to, to playing teams that are, you know, outside the top 300 in Kempom rankings. Um, so it's it's going to be kind of a weird slate because really the four games that are really interesting in this non-conference schedule, you start with Kansas, which is really tough. Um you know, the Big Ten ACC Challenge, like you said, with UNC. Butler, which is, you know, a little bit more of a test. And then uh, they close it out. Uh, or they, they on, on New Year's Eve, they play Louisville. Um, so those are kind of the four games that where we're going to actually learn things about this team. Um, and I think really comparing how, the way they play, especially with those, with those three games, with Kansas, uh, UNC, and Louisville, uh, because those kind of divide up the – non-conference schedule uh, pretty well. Uh, those are going to be kind of the three checkpoints 
um, throughout this non-conference schedule to see really how legitimate of a national contender this Indiana team is because, you know, they're ranked 11th in the AP, 12th in the coaches' poll. Um, they're considered to be one of the top teams in the Big Ten, but, you know, who knows how those pieces are going to kind of fit together. You know, like you've said a couple of times, really, really talented team, a lot of really impressive players, but, you know, how are they going to play together? How are they all going to fit together and all kind of um, – work alongside each other on the court. So, um, yeah, there, there, there are a lot of games where you're just not really going to learn that much about them. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, make any huge conclusions about, you know, the way that, that Thomas Bryant or OG, I know he plays against, you know, someone like Austin P or something like that, you know, no offense to Austin P, but um, it's just, we're going to learn a lot more about them in those, those, especially those three big games throughout the non-conference schedule. So it's, it's kind of an odd schedule, but um, that's just kind of the way Indiana's been, been structuring it the past couple of years. Um, so we'll see um, you know, how they kind of emerge out of that, that non-conference schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm definitely with you uh, <laughs> again. You know, I, it, it's a top-heavy schedule. I mean, there, there's no way around it. I mean, if you go by Ken Palm, rating, which, you know, I typically am. I know some people are skeptical, but um, decent measure coming into the year. Uh, They're going to have basically three games against top 20 competition, two against arguably top five competition, um, and then a whole bunch of just trash. Uh, (laughs) I I hate to be that mean, but, uh, you know, arguably the best best game outside of that, you know, Fort Wayne, um, you know, they're not, they're a top they're not even a top 125 team on Ken Palm. Now, obviously, that, that could be flawed. You know, maybe they finish higher, have a great year. But uh, it, it's just there's not a lot of depth on the schedule, which on one hand is good. You know, they're going to get to play a lot of youth guys. They're not going to have a lot of games where theoretically they would be at risk of losing. Um, but it also makes those showdowns, you know, against North Carolina, against Kentucky, or not Kentucky, Kansas, um, insanely important. You have to win one of those um, if if you want to be in contention for a you know top one, two, or three seed. I would think, um, barring uh, you know something um, big coming down the line. You know, you know, you, I guess you know you also have the game with Louisville. Um, I don't know why I, I totally forgot about that one, but uh, <laughs> uh, certainly not a game uh, worthy of forgiving. But uh, you know, it, those games are insanely important. And Indiana, you know, is going to have to find a way to win at least one, um, probably two or more, if they want a serious shot at a at a one seed or or maybe even a two seed, depending on how things go in Big Ten play. But I uh, I like the non-conference schedule from a sense of, you know, they're scheduling the big boys. There's no debate in that, but uh, certainly a a risky proposition if things don't go well in those games. But you know, obviously, uh, the non-conference schedule is under Indiana's control. The conference schedule is not. Um, you know, generally speaking, everyone knows everybody plays anyone. But uh, was there anything that popped out to you about the the conference schedule this year? Yeah, there was. Because uh, last year, uh, Indiana only played one game against Purdue, um, and this year they play them both home and away. Which, um, you know, I've always been. I think we've talked about this before. Um, on the podcast about just like how annoying it is when, you know, teams like Indiana and Purdue or like Michigan and Michigan State or, you know, rivalries like that, um, 
you know, it'd be really nice if the Big Ten was able to protect those and make them, you know, both home and away in a year because um, it's just it's so much fun to, you know, when you when you have a rivalry as as historic and as kind of intense as Indiana Purdue, it's it's a really fun experience to play in kind of a hostile environment, I think, for players and coaches and everything like that. And, and just to have to have only one game against Purdue last year was a little bit of a little bit of a downer and I think fans were kind of annoyed about that. But but it was good that, that this year they played both places, uh, both in West Lafayette and Bloomington. So um that was really the thing that stood out to me about about the schedule. But there, it seems um I don't have it in front of me, but I, I seem to remember it's pretty front loaded as well. They have a lot of kind of tough games early on and um I think that there are a couple kind of marquee matchups um in Bloomington really early in, in January where students aren't going to be there. They're still going to be on break. Um, so it might not be the same intense environment that, at Assembly Hall that people are kind of used to. Um, so I think that kind of makes mm-hmm. things a little bit tough as well. Um, but, you know, if, if you're a good team, then, then you're going to win those games. So um, I think that, yeah, they get tested off the bat um, pretty well, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's uh, – yeah, I mean, it's never easy in the Big Ten, so uh, I don't know. So that's that's kind of what what stood out to me, um, you know, when the when the schedule was first released, um, you know, earlier this fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, to start, you know, I I'm not going to get into my rivalry rant again, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to see Indiana Purdue twice, and you know, notably, uh, it's always a risk, you know, putting it at the end of the season, but. Um, you know, Indiana gets Purdue twice in February um, and really mid to late February, which, uh, you know, those should be money games, especially with both teams figuring to be in the conference title hunt. So th- those figure to be awesome showdowns. You know, they're always fun. And it'll be interesting to see how uh, the teams do playing twice um, this year with, with such high expectations for, for both teams. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Um, outside of that, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton pops out. Otherwise, I, I think it sets up relatively well. Um, it, it, that is an interesting note, though, uh, about the potential break games. You know, they start with uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin, and Illinois as their com- you know first three conference games. Those are all before, uh, well, I should say, you know, Nebraska's at the very end of December, Wisconsin and Illinois both early on in January. So, that Wisconsin game, you know, if the fans aren't yeah. there or certainly the students, um, that would be a little disappointing considering how uh, great those games have been recently. So, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to take away. I, I think Indiana's schedule, at least from my perspective, is pretty fair. Um, I, I don't think it's particularly easy in terms of big – and I'm, I'm only speaking to the Big Ten side of things here – um, I don't think it's particularly easy. I don't think it's particularly hard compared to other teams. Um, I, I think it's a pretty fair schedule, and certainly you have to be excited for with Purdue twice and Wisconsin twice. Those should be uh, fantastic games there, and uh, fans will be excited to see them, I guess. But um, but with that, let, let's get to the fun part here. Um, you know, the be- the best part of them all, uh, season predictions. Um you don't have to put a number on, on where you think they're going to finish in record, um, but what kind of range do you, do you think the Hoosiers end up at this year? Um, where do they finish in the Big Ten? And um, 
I, I assume you're going to pick them to the NCAA tournament. So assuming that, um, how far do you think they go in, in March this year? Yeah, I mean, a lot of it depends on uh, on how that backcourt kind of shakes out and everything like that. And uh, obviously if everyone stays healthy, things like that. But, but I still see them as a, as a top three Big Ten team. I mean, Wisconsin looks awesome. They return a lot of pieces. Um, Michigan State's still kind of a question mark with, with injuries and, and relying on, on young guys. Uh, Purdue is going to be – should be really good. A lot of really – experienced guys um, coming back there and Kale Swanigan's still there. So um, I think those are kind of the, the four teams that I'm keeping an eye on uh, Big Ten-wise. Um, and I think Indiana, you know, if, if they if they figure out how to how to play together and everything like that, uh, if they figure out kind of their identity and, the, and their dynamic offensively, um, and if they can continue growing defensively like they did last year, um, I think they, they should definitely be a top three or four Big Ten team, um, and it you know it, it all depends on on the draw in the NCAA tournament. And you made a good point. I mean, in that that non-conference schedule, I mean, you got to win one of those big games, um, or you're kind of gonna you know kind of get get dropped a seed line or two in March if you know if your only good games have been in conference play, uh, or if your only big wins have been in conference play. Um, so I think. Um, you know, if they can get a couple of those non-conference games, I think they'll get a fairly decent seed. Uh, you know, cause if you if you have a win against the top 15, you know, UNC or Louisville or something like that, along with a top three finishing in the Big Ten, uh, you know, you should get a pretty decent seed. Um, but I really, I mean, I think this might be Tom Crean's most talented team, top to bottom, at Indiana. I mean, that that 2012 to 13 team with Zeller, Oladipo, Watford, Halls, that whole group was really, really good, but, but this one, I mean, uh, it's just it's so much longer and more athletic than, than any team that I can remember at Indiana. Just, you know, you know those top seven or eight guys um, are pretty big, um, you know, maybe except for Josh Newkirk, but um, it's, it's one of his more talented teams, and I think it, it really could be poised for a, a pretty decent run in March. And I, I mean, a lot of people around here, you know, have, have been a little critical about you know, Korean teams never making it past the Sweet 16. Uh, but I think if, if there's a team that can do it, I think it might be this one, uh, just because there's just so much talent here, and, and they, they really seem to, to like each other and get along with each other. Um, it's just a matter of, finishing, of figuring out that, that kind of encore chemistry. Um, so I think it, this should be a Sweet 16 team. I think um, the, there's definitely upside there to possibly make a, a Final Four run if they get – a decent seed, and if they get kind of rolling at the end of the year, and if, if they're uh, healthy, so there, there are a lot of ifs around this team, but um, but re- the pieces are there for a for a Sweet 16 run at least. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't think my uh, kind of predictions here are, are much different. Um, I I figure I think the Hoosiers are going to be um, right in the certainly in the top 15 talk nationally. I think they will be right in that top four group in the Big Ten. Um, I'm, to be honest, I, I I feel like that group is, is pretty close overall. Um, and I'm speaking of Indiana, MSU, Purdue, and Wisconsin. I think they're all pretty much neck and neck, um, give or take. So I, I figure Indiana will be right in that group. I think they have plenty of enough talent to um, repeat as Big Ten champions. Certainly, if they can take care of business at home again. You know, they have that uh, 
huge winning streak at home still going. Um, we'll see if it can continue through non-conference play, you know, with North Carolina coming in. But uh, I, I think they're more than talented enough to do that. And, you know, if you can win the Big Ten, and, and certainly a Big Ten that looks um, not necessarily as loaded at the top, but pretty deep um, overall, I, you know, you have to figure you're going to be right in that, uh, you know, top three seeding in March. And if you can do that, um, you know, <laughs> Sweet 16 is certainly possible. I wouldn't be that shocked if this team went deep. I, I think the one, the big thing to watch, which will be no surprise, is if the backcourt um, can Blackman improve his defense enough for that group to be good enough? Uh, can Newkirk kind of get enough scoring to complement his passing? Um, it should be interesting. I I love the front court. I like the wing group, um, and I think there's a lot of depth in the backcourt. It's just about can they find a starter or two that's good enough to compete against those you know top five, top ten teams. So it should it should be a lot of fun though. I I definitely like the team, and and I think they're going to make some noise. But um, yeah. So Alex, any final thoughts here? Am I uh, am I going crazy? Am my predictions out there or? Uh, any final thoughts otherwise on Indiana or the Big Ten coming into this year? Yeah, no, I think I think you and I are kind of in agreement here of where, where Indiana stands. And, um, you know, I, I think we both agree that it's kind of hard to predict where this Indiana team is going to land. And I think a lot of a lot of AP voters were also kind of, you know, hesitant to, to make them a top-ten team and to, um, you know, really commit to them just because there are some question marks. Um but yeah, I mean, we're gonna. I think we're gonna learn a lot about this team Friday night as they uh, they take on a really really good Kansas team. Um, and so uh, I'm I'm really excited and intrigued about that. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm I'm excited about the year. You know, just in the Big Ten in general, uh, a lot of really fun players, a lot of really interesting storylines. Um, so yeah, no, it should be it should be a really fun year. Definitely, um, and I. And I do feel like I'd be doing a disservice here if I if I didn't at least ask you about Friday's game. Um, what do you what do you think is going to go down um, for the Hoosiers against the Jayhawks? Um, and as well, uh, Indiana football competing for uh, for that magical six win to get to another bowl game. Um, so, w- what are your thoughts first on on Indiana Kansas, and then uh, as far as uh, Indiana football goes? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a fairly important weekend for. IU sports. Um, yeah, with that Kansas game, I mean, they're, they'll definitely be tested defensively. Um, you know, that Kansas team is really fast, uh, really gets going. Uh, Tom Green was saying tonight on his radio show that he thinks this Kansas team, uh, just from watching them, you know, in exhibitions and such, he thinks this Kansas team is faster than, than that UNC team that knocked Indiana out of the tournament in March. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do defensively on, on Frank Mason and Josh Jackson and then a lot of the guys who have kind of made some noise there for Kansas. Um, but it's, you know, Tom Green has talked a lot of this offseason about people being patient about this Indiana team. So, I, you know, I feel like he's, um, he maybe doesn't exactly expect to, this team to gel right off the bat. So I think we're going to see, um, you know, maybe some rough stretches for this Indiana team. Um, and I don't, you know, I, I don't know if, this team in November, this Indiana team in November is going to be able to beat Kansas, but um, you know, maybe come, come January or February, maybe they'll be 
at the caliber to, to kind of play with some of those national powers. Um, but but we'll see. I mean, it's it's hard to tell, you know, right off the bat. It's going to be really interesting to see them go from, you know, playing D2 Bellarmine, you know, on Saturday to playing number three, uh, you know, a top five Kansas team this Friday. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. And then, then, yeah, I mean, Indiana football, you know, they're, they're five and four. They're over 500 in the since 2007. Um, so there's definitely, you know, some progress being made there, but these last three games are, are going to be tough. I mean, they, they host Penn State on Saturday, which uh, before the season looked maybe borderline winnable, but um, but this Penn State team I think is playing a lot better than than really anybody, you know, probably even Penn State fans expected them to be playing. So that's going to be a tough one. Then they go to Ann Arbor the week after that uh, to play a Michigan team that is – you know, certainly one of the best in the country. Um, and then they, they host Purdue to end the season. And, and that is kind of a game that um, they'll certainly be favored. I, I assume Indiana will be favored in that game, and it will be the game most likely that they'll, they'll have to win to get to that sixth win and get to their back to their first back-to-back bowl um, run in, uh, gosh, 25 years, I think. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting stretch here for for the Indiana football team and I think it's probably going to come down to that you know rivalry weekend of IU Purdue game so it's uh, it's going to be interesting to to monitor yeah yeah it'll be fun um I'm I'm definitely excited for Indiana Kansas and uh I'm intrigued uh to see what happens with uh Indiana football it, it seems like uh the Hoosiers are making some noise for the first time in a in a long time so it'll be It'll be fun to watch here over the the next couple of weeks. But, Alex, um, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time tonight to chat about the Hoosiers. Um, where, where can our listeners find your stuff? Sure, yeah. Um, you can go to InsideIndiana.com. Uh, you can follow me at AK McCarthy on Twitter. Uh, we'll be yeah ramping stuff up here leading up to the season. So, uh, yeah, there should be a lot of a lot of IU basketball content coming here at the uh, well gosh, in the next, like, five or six months. So, uh, yeah, that's InsideIndiana.com or Indiana.247sports.com. Awesome. Well, Alex, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Always a good time. <laughs> Definitely. Thanks again. Um, and, and and for all of our listeners, again, that's uh, Alex McCarthy. He writes for 247 Sports does a great job covering the Hoosiers, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, um, whether it's some of the Olympic sports stuff they cover as well. So highly recommend following him on Twitter. Highly recommend checking out his uh, stuff as well on 247. But um, but with that, um, again, I'm Thomas Bendit. Uh, you can check me out on Twitter at tbendit. We have a ton of great stuff up on the site right now. Highly recommend going to btpowerhouse.com reading away. There's more than enough uh, preview material for the season uh, for anyone to to keep busy. So uh, with that, uh, that'll be our podcast for today. We have a bunch more stuff on the podcast scene coming over the next couple of days. So make sure to stay tuned. And um, as always, uh, thanks for joining us.